Welcome to Detour to Neverland, your guide to living your best Disney life through your hobby or business. Here's your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 171. Today, our guest is Crystal, who is the founder and creator behind Planning the Magic, a really great resource for anybody who's looking to visit the parks on a budget and make their dollar stretch further. So, Crystal, thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited to chat with you. First things first, if you could introduce yourself and maybe tell us a, one thing that we may not know about you from social media. Yeah, sure. So first of all, thank you for having me. I'm very excited and I'm very rusty. So I'm sorry in advance. Um, so as you guys, as you said, um, you can find me over at Planning the Magic. And a fun fact that I, I haven't put on social media yet is that I'm currently raising a husky puppy. And I was on little to no sleep until very recently. <laughs> we love that. We're dog people too. What's his name? Oh, her name. So her name is Phoenix. She is, um, it's funny because her, her dad is black and white. Her mom was red and white and she is the funkiest color I've ever seen. I don't know if she's brown or beige or red. Man, That is so fun. And we totally get it. You don't expect when you get a puppy to be like sleep deprived, but it's a whole thing. It's like, it's probably not the same level of having a baby, but it's a commitment. Oh man. No, it really is. And, 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 you know, there's stuff out there, but just like children, every puppy has its own personality and its own needs. And I was waking up in the middle of the night because she was so young and I didn't want her to pee on herself. And I didn't get a full night of sleep until she was probably like four months old. We've been there. Our first one, <laughs> Louie, a nightmare. He got crate trained oh pretty God. quickly. Our second one, Loki, she is the she's an angel. She's an angel. She's never done anything bad in her entire life. <laughs> I think she came to us house trained at eight weeks old. Yeah. Oh no. It was great. I have a I have a teacup Yorkie. He's seven years old. Um, and he is like four pounds. But he is um like PB pad trained. Mm -hmm. It's a little different. It was a little different of a journey with him. It was actually more difficult to get him there because I guess, cause it's still inside. It's not like a whole different place. Um, but they don't like each other. Ooh. I will say that. Maybe they'll, they'll learn grow. to love each other. Yeah. 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 She just wants to play and he's, you know, he's an old man and he just wants his peace. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> well, good deal. Well, so thank you for that. I think to lay the foundation for everything, let's start and you can take us back to how did planning the magic come to be? What conversations took place or what was the inspiration that kicked it off? Yeah. So, um, so the, well, I'll start with, I'll start with how the passion was born. So when I was a child, um, we used to go to Disney World almost every single year. And when I was around probably 14, 15, year old, 15 years old, my entire family kind of hit financial hardship. Um, and that was like 15 years ago, almost 15 years ago. Um, and everything just kind of stopped, all the family vacations, everything. Um, when I was 18, I started going to college. I graduated from Rutgers and I was paying my own way through college. No one believes me, but I didn't besides financial aid, but I didn't get any help from family. Not because they didn't want to, but because they couldn't. 
but that really builds you into a different kind of person um, in a good way and probably in some way in a bad way too. But when I was a junior, I was 21 years old and I really wanted to go back to Disney world. It was like a dream. And my sister at the time was only 10 or 11 years apart. And I was like, well, I'm going to make this happen. So I spent the, I want to say probably like five months saving money, lifeguarding. I didn't have a day off for a very long time. I worked like 12 hour shifts and I found every trick I could to save money. And I finally took us four, seven days to Disney world. I want, I want to say we did three parks. We did the water parks there. I wanted to make sure that when I got there, there was no stone unturned. And that's where the passion was born of, you know, going to Disney on a budget and the, so Disney is my passion. Disney brings me happiness. Disney brings my little sister happiness. She's 18 now. And I want everyone to be able to do that no matter how much you make or how much you don't make. So a lot of us today, you know, my lifestyle is a little different, but some of us pinch pennies because it's the smart thing to do. But some people pinch pennies because they don't, they literally don't have any, they don't have a choice. So I just wanted to help everyone get to Disney on a budget, even if that, if that meant you have to go to Disney on a budget or you want to do it because you want to go twice this year. Yeah, I think that story in itself is incredible because what everybody says and everybody makes T-shirts about it. But Disney is super expensive. But something that I feel like everyone in the Disney community can agree with is it's something that everyone should experience. And it's something that we all long for. Like when we're not there, we want to go. And I think your background story definitely gives you that foundation for how you grew your business and where that inspiration came from. And I think, you know, that's how a lot of businesses grow, you know, as it starts with kind of that core foundation. And I love how all of that connects to what you're doing now. Yeah, it's great. And you really, I mean, for, for this industry specifically, you kind of, you kind of do need the passion, especially if you're going to launch something that has to do with Disney, because it is pretty saturated and it is difficult and you want to be able to stand out. So you just want to, you know, my whole thing with my blog is I'm just genuine on myself. I'm honest. You know, I think I have a post up there that I published every dollar I spent in that trip on that trip and how I did it. Um, so for a long time, there was no income. It was just a passion project. So there has to be that passion because it's not like, Oh, I'm going to publish this post and make $500. (laughs) Yeah. We wish it was that way. (laughs) (laughs) So when you started planning the magic, what was your first step? Like, what did you start with? Yeah. So I got hooked on, um, not sure if you guys know him, but his name is, um, Pat Flynn and he has a blog over at smart passive income. I started listening to his podcast and I also had a dream, even though I, you know, I was getting my degree and stuff. I had a dream. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I'll start there. Like any, probably 70% of people when they graduate college, you have no idea what you want to do when you get out. You don't know what you're good at. Um, but I knew that family was the most important thing to me being home, being, I'm super outdoorsy. I love to be outdoors, um, was what I wanted to do. So with Pat Flynn's story, plus, you know, my passion, my, I'm, you know, I'm a millennial, so I'm super tech savvy, all that good stuff. Um, I was like, well, I'll start a blog and hope that at some point in its lifetime, it'll be 
it'll generate income. So the person who really, or the blog, it was a podcast, a podcast that really made me do it was the Pat Flynn um, Smart Passive Income Podcast. It is so interesting to me because you're not the first person to mention Pat Flynn. I come from the John Lee Dumas camp, which is kind of very similar. And so it's interesting that you can see the sparks that very influential people like that and the groundwork that they've laid where they've opened up doors and passions for, for other people to kind of follow along similar footsteps. So I would love to kind of map that back and see all the people who, Hey, I'm, I'm a Pat Flynn person or I'm a John Lee Dumas person or, you know, whatever it might be. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's funny because a lot of, I'm sure, I don't know if they know this, they might not, they might, they might know this, but I don't know if, if Pat Flynn is aware that he motivated someone to start an income about, I mean, a blog about Disney. You know, a lot of people do like those, um, like dumb passive income, Matthew Allen and his dumb passive income blog. Um, they do a lot of like financial blogs about blogging. So I'm, I'm curious to know if, if Pat Flynn knows that he's probably been influential to every industry, you know, every uh, blog within every industry. Yeah. The reach is wide for sure. So when you first took that step, was it that you registered the domain name? Did you put it on Instagram, Facebook? What was that first step? Yeah. So the blog was definitely first. I didn't have any type of roadmap. So as, as much as you can research or I, I feel like I, it was a, it was a hands-on learning. So I had a lot of information for Pat Flynn, from Neil Patel, all those people, but I just, I, I got the domain, which going back, I don't know if I would pick the same domain, which would probably all feel that way, but I just, I just got the domain. I think I published like one or two posts and I was like, now what? (laughs) And I think that's some good advice too, to kind of, you don't always have to do your research and you don't always have to, you know, have your final goal or your final product or, you know, a complete vision, but it is kind of unchartered territory. You know, when we started everything, we had no clue what we're doing. And it's definitely something that you have to do and kind of learn as you do, which is very intimidating. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's like, it's any, it's almost like any, any profession in this world, you know, you go into, so for my nine to five job, I'm a project manager. Um, so if I go into a company, a manufacturing company, and I have absolutely no one to learn from that learning curve is going to be completely different than if I have someone that I work with, you know, a boss or a supervisor can just pop in their office and say, Hey, I'm faced with this problem. How do I get here? But with blocking, a lot of times you don't have that. And the industry can be, can be unnecessarily competitive in the sense of like, you'll find a lot of people who don't want to help is what I mean. So I was just thinking about this the other day. I wrote a, a blog about, you know, booking a Disney cruise next year in 2021. I wrote a post and it was more informative than anything. And I had a few, I had a few photos. I'm not the greatest photographer. So I reached out to a few a Disney blogger Facebook group that I'm in. And I said, hey, I've been in it for five years already. And I said, hey, guys, anyone have some cool photos of the cruise line? I'll link back to you. And they sent me a few. I put like two or three up, linked back to them. And it was great because I got some great images. But I also provided them with back with a backlink, like a, just a natural do follow backlink. And it's it's so hard to get those sometimes, which are important to SEO. 
but it's unnecessarily hard. It doesn't have to be that hard if someone has good content, but, but bloggers can be a little bit competitive sometimes. Yeah. I get that. Well, and I think it, it also makes me think like when we first got started, everybody's looking for, especially if you're a type A people like we are, you're looking for a checklist. Like, okay, I got the domain name. Now here's what I do. Right. And then, you know, here's step four and five and six. And you can find something out there like that. But at least our experience is something always breaks down or there's something unique to your situation that changes that. And a lot of times you do just have to keep trying trying and figuring it out trial and error along the way until you finally carve it out to exactly to what you want it to be. I guess, spoiler alert, it's never exactly what you want it to be. (laughs) Right, right. Exactly. But something that we really enjoy about your blog is that you do write about different topics. You know, the backbone is always Disney on a budget. And, you know, with everything that we've talked about, that definitely makes sense because that's your main message. Um, But why do you think that that's so important to kind of share that with the Disney community or with first time Disney goers? Like going on a budget specifically? Um, I think I have. So recently, back in September, I started planning um, Disney vacations, just very non like just like as a let's see how this goes, you know, just a dip, you know, getting in the pool for the first time kind of thing. You're trying a new drink like equivalent to that. Um, And it really humbled me down to when I first started. Right. So when I first started the blog, I was two years out of my bachelor's degree. Um, I lived in my own apartment and I was, you know, I was not, not that I'm wealthy now, but I wasn't, you know, I was getting my, I was getting my feet on the ground kind of thing. But what happens is when you, so now I have my master's degree, I'm in a different level. I have the blog who brings in a a tiny bit of income. (laughs) Um, and now I'm at a different level. So I, I have a different mindset versus what I did when I first started the blog. And it's funny because now that I'm helping other people plan their vacations, um, they're, they're bringing me back down, not down, but bringing me back to that level and saying, you know, just a person who knows nothing starting from the beginning. This is my budget. I have nothing else. This is why I have nothing else. What can I do with this? And just manipulating what you can. And the reason why I started blogging about this is because if I, it took me so long to gather the information that I did and it's so possible to do it. You can go to Disney and spend $20,000 and you can go to Disney and spend $3,000 and still have the same amount of fun. I wanted to make sure that, you know, every 21 year old paying their way through college, um, every, you know, young parent with a kid who wants to take them can, can do so and has one place where they can go, where it's going to say, just do this, 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 this is how you save money on the hotel. This is what you, you know, like if you read some of my blog posts on, on Disney tickets, it's almost like my message is almost like you really can't save any money here because Disney's so strict with their tickets. What you can do is make sure you're getting the right setup. Don't get a park hopper. If if you're not going to use it, really be strategic about what you're getting on your Disney ticket. How many days don't be wasteful, but you can save 50% here, you know, save a thousand bucks here so that that Disney ticket price doesn't hurt that much. And it took me like a year to figure that out. And I hope that someone just 
Google's cheap Disney tickets and it takes them 15 minutes to figure that out. Yeah. Well, that's a good point is that it is kind of a, it's an intimidating factor for someone planning that vacation. I'm interested, do you have a target audience in mind, whether it be a repeat visitor to Disney or is it a first time visitor? Yeah, that's tough. I see that's one of the things I struggle with the most um, with my blog and I've done various like data collecting surveys and such. So I want to say my, I don't, I don't differentiate between a first time visitor and a repeat visitor, but I will say my ideal audience is not someone who knows nothing. Um, maybe someone like, like my ideal audience is like me when I was 21. So I, I had been there, but the last time had probably been like seven years ago when I was a child at that time. So I kind of remember, I know that Disney, I knew that Disney world didn't equal magic kingdom as some people think, but I didn't know that there were four parks, you know? So that would be my ideal audience. Someone, but also, yeah. It's, it's, that's a tough question. You got me there. <laughs> well, it is interesting because like we have been Disney throughout, but now a lot of people our age are having kids and they had written off Disney and now their kids are asking to go <laughs> and they're coming back to us like, okay, how do we do yeah, this? Like I haven't, <laughs> I haven't been since 1998. So right. I would imagine people around our age are getting a wave of some of those people who were like you that they grew up going and then there's a break once you had to do it your own financially or maybe they lost interest whatever it might be and now it's time all right now my kids want to go we got to figure <laughs> out a trip <laughs> i gotta figure out how to do this but i want to talk about your ebook as well because i think that is something that can be very beneficial to so many different creators and bloggers especially to kind of compile the information that you have in one go-to resource so what was that process like of putting it together and do you have any advice for anybody who wants to take a similar route yeah so the the ebook was my initial um attempt at monetizing the site so as as you guys probably know when you first get a site you get google adsense which is like no offense to google because they can't really do much more than what they're doing but you really you really can't make money with google adsense and so my whole thing was like well like how do i monetize this site right it's five months old at this point let's say i have 40 posts posted and i don't really get i'm not really i'm into keyword research but i'm not into um competitive keyword research if that makes sense so i'm, I'm trying to find keywords to write about but if you fast forward to today, I use a software to make sure my efforts make sense. So I can rank for that word, who's ranking for it, how hard is it going to be to rank for it? I didn't do that before. So when I first started the blog, I was just posting based off what I think people were trying to read, but they were probably reading that topic on Disney tourist blog. Um, so the book was just me trying to monetize and, and also trying to have somewhere where everything I was, everything I was publishing was in one place. So for those people who, you know, it can be tiring to be researching a Disney vacation and opening tab after tab. I remember that I had a Disney vacation notebook. It was like notebook. It was like 50 pages, maybe a hundred. And all I did was write all day notes and, and planning stuff. So that can be tiring. So I wanted to create something where 
everything I knew was in one place and it was organized in such a way that it was easy to follow. And that's how the ebook was born. I love that. And I, it, sorry, <laughs> I, was okay. say, I think that's a really interesting, you know, process of kind of looking at what you accomplished and saying, you know, there's got to be something else that I can do with this information. You know, you didn't have to start from scratch to create your ebook, which I think is a really positive message to someone who might be trying to do something like that. But you kind of had to take what you had and you just had to put it in a in a new format. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And it was uh, it was one of the hardest things I've done on my blog um, in terms of like creativity and writing and, and not like not a technical task. Writing that book was exhausting. You know, it's one thing to write it, to put your thoughts down. It's another thing to proofread it um, and, you know, have like a, you know, at one point I printed it out and I had like a stack of hundreds of papers and I'm trying to keep them in order and I'm using one of those binder clips and I'm writing notes and then you have to, and it's exhausting to do it. So, I mean, what's less exhausting now is I update it every year. So that's, that's a little better. I'll just read through it, but it is, it's not easy, especially if you're doing a book, a substantially sized book, you know, if it's only like 20 pages, maybe a little different. Um, but yeah, so it, it was difficult, but it was worth it. How long did it take you to compile all that? You know, like from start to finish, how approximately, how long do you think it took you? So compiling the information was not difficult, but making sure it was in a, a easy to read, legible format with correct grammar took a little longer. I want to say from start to finish, working on it five days a week, it probably took me like six months. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But, but like you said, now that you have it, it's something that is a leave, living and breathing product that you can just update every year. It reminds me of Casey from Disneyland Daily that she writes her ultimate guides and then she just updates them as necessary. And they're kind of an evolving thing instead of reinventing the wheel each time. I think it's such a buzzword right now, but recycling or reusing content really is yes. such a key to unlocking big time growth. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I, um, that's funny that you said, you said that cause I was just thinking the other day that I wish I, um, had like a list. There are blog posts that I update yearly, but I don't do it in an organized way. So I'll just look through my blog posts. I have a list of blog posts and I'll be like, Oh, this one, this one needs to be updated this one. So I feel like I should have a list where come December 1st, these are the blog posts I know I need to update every year or just kind of timing them out in, in some kind of organized fashion um, would make my job a little bit easier just to, to recycle that old post. Yeah, that'd be interesting for sure. Um, something else that we noticed on your blog that I thought was super interesting is you kind of mentioned the trips that you're planning. So now when you plan a trip, like what does that process look like for you? Or how do you go about picking the trips that you plan even? That's, that's a good one. You guys have really good questions. <laughs> um, so back when I graduated college, the first thing I started doing was saving up to buy a house. Right. And I was in a relationship at that time with someone I'm not in a relationship anymore, but we're good friends. And we ended up breaking up and I was like, I can still buy a house on my own, but I think I want to buy into DVC instead. 
So you guys probably know, but DVC is short for Disney Vacation Club, which is Disney's timeshare. And I went and I purchased resale. And there's a whole journey behind that. Like I purchased direct, then I, I canceled it. You have seven days to cancel it. You just send a letter to Disney. And then, you know, like a year later, I purchased resale. And I purchased it from a woman who purchased her contract with her husband. She was elderly. Her husband had just passed away and she was getting rid of the contract. So I got a great deal on it. Um, and because of that, because of buying into DVC, my entire Disney vacation planning structure has changed. Um, and now my hotel has been prepaid for. So DVC does not, this is my opinion, but I've crunched a lot of numbers. DVC does not necessarily save you money because you can easily stay off site for 20 bucks a day if that's what you want to do. But it does um, save you money if you were going to stay at a deluxe resort every time you went. And it does save you money in terms of you're prepaying it. You're paying it like, you know, I bought into it at, um, in 2015. You're prepaying it at the, the currency value at that time. So, you know, if at that time it was $500 a night, in 10 years it might be $700 a night but you're paying $500 a night. So that has really shaped the way I plan vacation. So the first thing on my mind, since I don't have kids yet, I just have to make sure I have dog babysitters. <laughs> um, the first thing I look at are flight prices. Um, and I, and I kind of know the, the good times to go to Disney. I, I stay away from June, July. If I go in August, it's all, always at the very end. I'm pretty open in terms of September, October, November, December, because even though the holidays make it kind of busy, um, I, I I like the holidays, so I'm I don't care. <laughs> so I'll just look at I'll go on Skyscanner and I'll look at flight prices. So with Skyscanner, what you can do is you can put in you. I think you can do this on Kayak too, but I don't know. I prefer Skyscanner. You can say, let me see the prices for the month of April every single day. So it'll drop you down a calendar. It'll show you the prices. You can just press next, and you'll see May, and you can kind of go from there. And I will use that to kind of pick my days. So, oh, um, I, I kid you not. I'll be like, oh, look at this $15 flight to Disney World. This is, it's not a joke. It ha I just, that just happened to me yesterday. Um, and I'll say, okay, so this is a good, good week. And that's kind of where I'll start. Then I'll look at the room to reserve the room. Um, and I'll kind of go from there. And then obviously the financial situation. So I'm almost never like, oh yeah, next week is a good, is a good time. I will spend $2,000 next week. No big deal. Usually I give myself a couple months to, to plan. And, and I want to be able to get the fast passes at the 60 days. And as often as possible, I'd like to get the um, um, dining reservations at 180 days. So I try to go as far as possible, but it's all built around price. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, we're DVC members as well. So it's definitely extended our planning period. We used to take more shirt to, uh, to plan them quicker. Now it's like you got to get 70 days in advance so or seven months in advance. <laughs> so I want to cover some of the lessons that you've learned. So what up to this point do you think is the biggest lesson that you've learned through planning the magic? As a blogger? Yeah. Or just in general, it just, you know, what's the biggest thing that surprised you or the biggest thing that impacted or, or shifted the way that you conducted? Hmm. 
So as, as a blogger, I would say I am. So right now I'm in the middle of launching another website that has nothing to do with Disney and it's all strategy based. It's not passion. I mean, it's, it's on a topic I know a little bit about and that's kind of how I got there. Um, but it's all strategy. Planning the magic was not that, you know, planning the magic was, I love this topic. This is like the one thing in life that makes me happy no matter what is going on, including the coronavirus. Disney, can you reopen? <laughs> but um, this, I would say that I, if I could go back, I would have a little bit more strategy. So like I said, I wasn't doing um, keyword research in the same way I'm doing it now. Like I would do that. A lot of my posts, they're not bad. They're 2000 words, but they don't get traffic because there are more established websites with more authority that have similar posts. And so, you know, it's, it's hard to compete with Disney's blog. You know what I mean? Um, so if I had to go back or if I, one thing I learned the most was, is to be more strategic with what I'm doing. Cause at the end of the day, even though it's passion, it's also a business. Yeah. I think that's a really good point because, you know, there are certain things that starting off, you just don't even know that it's an issue. You don't know that there's, you know, keywords or whatever, you know, that there's competitors, but I think that's a tough lesson for anyone to learn. And that's something that, you know, it's important to kind of apply to your next thing as you do move forward. So I think that's really interesting. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I would give anyone that advice. If one of my, my, one of my closest friends, his wife is a pharmacist and she just started an Instagram with, um, about like pills or different kind of medication. So it's like, it's super cute, like little cute drawings. What does this pill do? Always, you know, when you're taking this kind of pill, always eat because it gets angry if you don't. And she's all about helping and it's just her passion. And I, my first question was, how are you going to monetize this? What, what's the plan? But when you're first starting out, you don't, you don't think that way. You just think this is going to work. I love it. But I will say it's, it's not wrong because if, if, if I hadn't started with a Disney blog, I wouldn't be where I, I am today. Cause I would have given up if it was on anything that I wasn't passionate about. Yeah. I think that's a hundred percent correct. This has been such an insightful conversation. I thank you so much for sharing more about yourself and planning the magic. We're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our partners. And then we'll be back to play the fast pass round. Awesome. This episode is brought to you by the Photo Reserve. With the recent park closures, we're in a situation where we don't have many Disney photos left in our library. I didn't take my camera on our last few trips, so I'm left to pictures from PhotoPass in our iPhones. Sometimes those get the job done, but there's something eye-catching about a professional photo from the parks that you can get from somewhere like the Photo Reserve. You can use these professional photos for Pinterest, your blog, or any other social media platform. To see if the photo reserve can help you gain traffic, head to reportthemagic.com forward slash detour and receive a Pinterest guide and six completely free professional park photos. Again, that's reportthemagic.com forward slash detour or hit the link in our show notes to be redirected. Okay, so we're back and we're excited for the fast pass round. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. I think. <laughs> it's not really that fast, so no no worries about that. Um, but the first one's an easy one. It's just name the Disney parks that you visited. 
Oh my God. Okay. So obviously all of Disney world, um, Disneyland, California, and I've been to Disneyland Paris. Awesome. So of those parks, which individual gate is your favorite? Mm, I guess, I guess magic kingdom at Disney world is, you know, was my favorite. And why is that? I guess it's the, it's the memories, you know, I, this, this whole passion was started with my childhood and, you know, the happiness it brought me, I had a a fairly difficult childhood. Um, so it it was like always like the shining star and, and magic kingdom, you know, it, it, it like, even to this day, I can go a hundred times and it blows me away every single time. For sure. So when thinking about future Disney trips, what would be your Disney bucket list trip? So ideally, I would love to do um, a 10 day trip with my entire family. Um, so my significant other, my mom, my little sister, my grandparents, aunt, uncle, they have a four year old, everybody that Ideally, everyone I love would be there for 10 days. You know, I imagine like the like Oki West, you know, uh, having like a two bedroom and maybe like a one bedroom. That would be the best trip ever. It does sound awesome. So next would be your favorite Disney resort. And it doesn't necessarily have to be one that you stayed at. Hmm. I really love Saratoga and Oki West. I feel the most on vacation when I stay at one of those. Um, but recently I stayed at Wilderness Lodge and that was really nice. I love the ambiance. Um, everything felt kind of close, but not too close. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess I like all of them for their own individual reasons. Wilderness Lodge is definitely on our list of places that we'd like to stay in the near future. That one seems pretty nice. Yeah, it is. It is very nice. So if you could only fast pass one ride for the rest of your life, which one would it be? That's easy. Space Mountain the rest of my life. (laughs) So we've got to ask which Space Mountain version, I guess, between Paris, Disneyland and Disney World, which one do you prefer? So I def. so I'm not a a huge um, like adrenaline junkie at all. So I would have to say Disney World. But what I will say is that the Disneyland Space Mountain was super intense. And it's funny because I went to Paris in July and I have spring allergies. I'm allergic to various like grass pollen. And that only happens for like one month, late April to early June. That's it. And my eyes get itchy. I don't get sneezy, watery nose. I don't get any of that. Just itchy eyes. That's it. And it's funny. I landed in in Paris in... um, in July and I had allergies <laughs> and I was like, what is going on? And so they they have different medication there. So when I went to Disneyland Paris, unfortunately, instead of having contacts on, which is what I wear 95% of the time, I had glasses on. And I don't know if you guys know, but the first thing the space mountain does at Disneyland Paris is it launches you. And it also has inversions. So I didn't get to enjoy the ride as much as I would have if I had contacts on because I had to take my glasses off and I'm, I really cannot see without them. So all the nice effects and it's, it's almost like they have a lot more effects than, than Disney world does um, because they have like the, the planets and the sounds and and stuff like that. I didn't get to enjoy that because I couldn't see. Oh, that's a bummer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it was crazy. I was like, whoa, but I would, I would pick Disney world. Gotcha. So next is which ride or extraction is due for an exit or a refurbishment? 
So not necessarily an exit, and this is going to be a super unpopular just uh, opinion. But Splash Mountain, I do not like it. First, hear me out. I like the drop. I do like the drop. I will say that I am not a f- necessarily a fan of getting wet while in the parks, even if it's hot. I just feel like it it makes me just a little bit uncomfortable. Um, so that's I, I haven't been on Splash Mountain probably since like 2014. And the other thing is I don't I can't even remember the movie that it's made it's made after, but it, it Splash Mountain has so much to offer. It's a long-ish ride, right? And everybody goes on it because everyone loves it. And it's like, why that movie? I don't know. So I I think Splash Mountain, if they get, if they do like a different theme, it, it would be way better. I would, I would be more inclined to write it. Yeah. I feel like now people associate those characters more with the ride than they do with Song of the South anyway. Like yeah. no, most, I would assume most people don't even realize that it's from Song of the South. That's probably true. Yeah. I, re- I remember the first time I wrote it back when I was 21 and I was like, what movie is this? And I'm just looking around and it's like these animals. I'm like, what's going on? Whereas there are rides that seem like a little outdated, like Country Bear Jamboree, but they're also like, they're also like old Disney. So you, you kind of want them to stay that way in a sense. I see that. And I do agree with the whole getting wet at the park. We kind of have to like, okay, we'll ride it this one, but not this trip and vice versa, depending on kind of what mood we're in, because it is a little uncomfortable to be. It's almost wet like, walk all right, we're going to leave and go back to the resort as soon as yeah. we get off. <laughs> we have to go change. Yeah, exactly. I won't ride Cali uh, River Rapids in Animal Kingdom. I just, I just don't want to be wet. That one will soak you though. That one is pretty terrible. <laughs> You know, I went in Disneyland. I forget the name of the ride, but there's one that you get wet. And um, I wore like a poncho. Like I was ready. That's funny. (laughs) Yeah, I was really ready. And I will say that Crocs are my go-to shoes for Disney. I can walk 10 miles in Crocs without pain. But what I love the most about them is if it rains or anything like that, my feet get wet and then they dry and then we keep it moving. Versus like when I have sneakers on, if it rains and my feet get wet, that's gross. I do agree. I do hate wet socks. That's terrible. <laughs> so to rein it back in, what land or area brings you the most inspiration? That would probably have to be Main Street. Um, yeah, it, it has to be Main Street. There's no other place that makes me feel the way Main Street does when I walk down the street. And I I used to know a lot about the weird secrets and nuances of Main Street and, you know, like how the names belong, I believe, to like the buying powers of Disney World, um, the names on on the windows. But I just I love everything about Main, Main Street. I can sit there probably for hours and just watch people watch and relax and pretend I live there. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, and next one would be your favorite snack or a go to snack. So not a, not a snack per se, but Disney World, it's a drink. It's called Pina Colada. So it's a Pina Colada and they put raspberry puree in it. And I can't get enough. It doesn't even taste like there's any alcohol and it doesn't have to. It's the most amazing thing ever. I cannot go to Disney and not have Where that. do you get it? You can get it at any bar, but usually I get it while I'm by the pool. Mm, that sounds like a very like Polynesian kind of drink. You know, I thought you would say <laughs> you have to get it like the Polynesian or something. And it's very sweet. My sweet tooth is out of this world. So if you're not into like sweet 
very sweet drinks, probably not for you. That's a good tip. So sticking with food, what's your favorite table service restaurant and your favorite quick service restaurant? Um, I actually don't have a favorite, favorite table service restaurant. Um, and that's mostly because I almost never sit down and eat like at a table service restaurant when I'm at Disney. Um, I usually, it doesn't really fit super well with going to Disney on a budget. I will say, however, that, um, I am going with my grandparents. We were supposed to leave April 13th, but I just moved it yesterday to May. And we are going to do, well, I had be our guest reservations. I'm going to try to do that again because I just, I want them to, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful ambiance. The meal is okay, but it, it literally looks like the inside of Ibiza's castle. And I would love for them to experience that. Yeah, that's a good one. What's your favorite quick service? Uh, that would have to be Columbia Harbor House. If anyone has, hasn't been there, you have to go sit up upstairs and you can relax as much as you want. It, see, it looks like an old um, restaurant. It's just, it's really nice. And the food is good too. They have like good cobbler, good um, fish and chips, that kind of thing. Yeah, good choice. Next is your Disney favorite. So your favorite Disney movie. Mm, that's hard. Favorite Disney movie would have to be Beauty and the Beast. That's a classic. You can't go wrong with that. I'm assuming animation. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Yeah, exactly. I have a photo. You guys are not going to believe me, but it's true. My mom must have taken me to some photographer when I was a kid. I was probably, I was really young. I was probably like three. And the photographer put me in Belle's dress and the backdrop or whatever, you know, whatever they use for the background. It looks like I'm in the Beast Castle is what I'm trying to say. Oh, that's so cute. I love those little pictures and things like that that they do. Yeah, I feel like I don't know if people do that now anymore, but my mom used to take me for photos a lot when I was a kid. There's a lot of them. I was sad that when me and my sister were growing up, I guess we just missed it for the Bippity Boppity Boutique because we would have ate that up, but we missed it. Yeah. By the time they started that, we were too old to do it. Says yeah, who? yeah, for sure. <laughs> Says me. Says <laughs> any logical Wait, person. Wait, I think adults can do it now. I do think you're right. I think they can now. My sister said something about that, but I don't know. That might be a bit much. I think they have one. I think it's at the Grand Floridian or something. That's called like Character Couture or something <laughs> that's geared towards adults. Towards adults. Maybe they knew. They knew that I missed my chance. Maybe so. <laughs> so next one would be your favorite Disney quote, either from Walt himself or from a movie. Um, I want to say my favorite Disney quote that I, I, I use in my everyday life every second I can is when Walt Disney says, I believe in being an innovator. That's a good one. That is a good I one. I like that. Yeah. What about, so you're, the last one for the fast pass round is your favorite Disney parks memory. <laughs> so maybe you guys can help me with this 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 memory i i can't get out of my head and i can't find any photos of it that exist when i was a kid i remember and i want to say this is magic kingdom this is back in the day when the characters used to walk around the park and used to stop them and take a picture with them um there were little houses so it was like a row of houses they were tiny they were just my size so 
they were not big at all. They were, I was, I was really young. I was probably like five, six, seven around there. And you would, you could go up to them and they were fake. Like they didn't, the doors didn't open or anything like that. So it wasn't like Mickey's house or anything like that. It was just little structures, row of homes. And it was like Daisy Duck's house, Donald's house, Pluto's house. I can't for the life of me find anything, any old photos of that, what it was called. I can't find anything, but I remember it like it was yesterday. I was absolutely thrilled with those little houses. I don't remember like any of those houses specifically. And I don't even know how to search for it to find that picture. But I mean, I would assume it'd have to be in Toontown somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it maybe. I think yeah, they must have taken them down pretty quickly. I mean, they were, if you look at it from like, they didn't do anything. It was just space filler. I, I mean, I remember you could see, I think it was Mickey and Minnie's house that you could just look into them that you couldn't actually go inside. In. I have pictures inside Minnie's house. Well, then maybe I'm remembering the same thing that Crystal's remembering. Because I remember oh. there were little yeah. structures that like, you could just look in the windows. Maybe that, and maybe you could look in the windows and I can't remember that part. See? And then eventually Mickey had like his own house and you could actually walk through it. Yeah, that's all I remember. That was later. I don't know. And that's similar to the one that's still in Disneyland. Yeah. But I don't know. Yes. That's interesting though. Yeah. Somebody out there will know. (laughs) Somebody will. Send us a message and we'll find a picture of it if you have one. Oh my God. (laughs) That'd be amazing. Um, so, Crystal, that ends the Fast Pass round. Our very last question, something that we ask all of our guests, is if you have one piece of parting guidance that you could give to someone who's looking to jump into this community, either as a Disney content creator or maybe they want to open up their own shop, what would be your advice to that person? I would say don't let anyone like put your fire out, dull your shine. You know, there are, this is a very saturated and therefore competitive niche. And there are people that can be like one of the first, the first couple of people I met on my journey were kind of mean, you know, and I would say, don't pay attention to them because there's people like you, like me that love this. We love to talk about it. I want everyone to be successful. There are enough people in this world for everyone to be successful. I did not think that when I became a travel agent that I would be successful. And I am, I thought everyone, no one used one and everyone who did use one already had one. Don't think that way. Just, you know, stick to your passion and it's, it's going to be the best decision you've ever made. I think that's good advice because it is something that, you know, you have to be realistic about like when starting, you know, a venture that there are going to be people who do the same things that you probably do. But, you know, it is important to find that group of people who can be supportive, you know, along the way instead of being competitive um, to help you because we've found a lot of success, you know, in finding good, helpful people and making friends. And I think, you know, that's something that can benefit everybody. So like you said, there's room for everybody, you know, there's room for everybody to be successful. Um, so I love that advice. Thank you. Well, awesome. So Crystal, thank you so much for that. Last thing, if you can remind our listeners where they can connect with you online. Yeah, for sure. So the blog is called planning the magic, but I'm also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook planning the magic. Um, and you can find me on any of those. I probably will respond the fastest on Twitter. 
Perfect. Good deal. So we will put the links to all of those profiles in the show notes. You can connect easily over with Crystal. So thank you so much for joining us. We had a blast chatting with you. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Subscribe to the show and leave a review to help more people find us. Follow us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland underscore podcast to see our pictures from the parks. See you real soon.